Welcome back to this series on application modernization. In our last episode, we looked at security, and we learned that if you start with a solid plan at the beginning of your process, you're going to make the rest of your process and your work life moving forward much more pleasant and efficient. In this episode, we are going to be looking at one of the dark arts of application modernization, refactoring code. On the surface, it might not seem like a glamorous endeavor, but once you dig in, I think you find there's a lot of opportunity for innovation and creativity. Let's check back in with some of our experts and find out more about this. First, let's hear what our friend Dewan Ahmed from Red Hat had to say about refactoring. So whenever you have your code base, you'd like to see which part you can reuse. So that can come from a number of factors. You could have a check to see which methods in your application are being called a lot of times. And then are there any duplicacy within this method? Refactoring also might include a check of if there is any hard-coded values within your application, if there is any documentation that is missing. So refactoring is such a topic uh, like documentation uh, or, or QA. Everyone loves the idea, but very few actually wants to take on the challenge. I remember one of the politicians was recently mentioning that everyone wants to build a new bridge, but how many actually wants to maintain an existing bridge? Because building a new bridge is exciting. You can have a news headline and it's like shiny news. But if you like maintain or repair an existing bridge, like that's boring news. So refactoring is a similar concept that is very much needed, but it's like quote and unquote boring. So that's why uh, I guess th- there is resistance around refactoring. So I really liked Dewan's analogy about building versus maintaining a bridge. And I think it really got to the heart of the issue and, and I agree, this is how refactoring is often perceived. But I would like to challenge that paradigm. On the business side, you should be excited about it because it's a way of preserving value you've already created, right? And on the development side, maybe you're like me. You like to take things apart, see how they were built. You know, I learned a lot that way, both about hardware and about software. And I must say, sometimes when I take hardware apart and I put it back together, I am left with extra nuts and bolts which is one of the advantages of software over hardware. There is no version control for hardware to revert to a prior version that you haven't broken yet. All joking aside, refactoring is really a key strategy in your application modernization toolbox. And I discovered one of our guests has similar feelings about the process. Here's what our Java expert, Mary Grigleski, had to say about it. Refactoring the code will involve a certain degree of redesign. And to me, I'm finding that it actually can be an extremely creative process, especially if you are thinking of changing your system architecture into a messaging style of application. Because maybe what used to be like request and response, now you can actually set up different message queues to handle your processing. For example, maybe set up different pipelines to take care of some data that travels on your system. And what used to be too, for example, their batch processing system, now you can actually do like real time. And that's the nice thing about doing like real time streaming, for example, through using reactive streams. Think of like machine learning uh, processing. I'm, I'm also noticing a lot of folks are doing machine learning. They will be batching all of their data. But how about doing real time 
processing. So that will require a different way of setup of your code. You'll need to start to have your data coming in as streams and you process them as you go along. And also like with Java 8, this actually has great enhancement that enables functional style of programming, like using lambdas, for example. Those things, they are really greatly enhancing your language capability of processing, allowing your systems to take advantage of these kind of streaming type of processing and data as streams. And they do get a bit harder to manage because if you're doing asynchronous, you how do you keep track of stuff? It requires to a different way of managing and logging and tracing and all those things. But that's another aspect of doing this type of processing. The end result, though, I think I always try to focus on the end result is that you are like getting better, much better throughput. You're getting faster response time. And that's what ultimately the market, right? People are needing, not just like a huge enterprise market, but it's just even consumer level. We don't want to order something and wait for a long time before the response to come back. So I totally share Mary's point of view and enthusiasm about refactoring being an interesting and creative process. I also liked how she was really attuned with the end user and how the code reflects how people function and live. Because a simple lift and shift technique is not how application modernization happens. And we discussed in our first episode of this series, it's a holistic process. And Mary even points out that, you know, refactoring code involves creative thinking, a certain amount of redesign. So I wanted to know more about specific tools and techniques one might use in refactoring and let's say moving a monolith to microservice. So I asked Mary about some of the most useful and common tools and techniques for implementing this. And since Java is such a prevalent language found in application modernization initiatives, she said we should look at microprofile as a possible option. And then as far as uh, your next question, microprofile is lightweight uh, library, right? That is like for helping with uh, microservices development. It has its own way of handling. How do you do messaging in between different beams, for example? So if you're thinking of leveraging on a micro profile way of doing things, and also, by the way, too, it's also starting to support like reactive streams, that specification, which is nice. And using an example of an e-commerce uh, flower shop, right before Valentine's Day, you can imagine the, the load is very heavy. If we're using like a reactive way of doing things and also like the deploying all your server components into the cloud, which is nice. And if you leverage on a system that actually is reactive in nature, so the load needs to be elastic. And MicroProfile has built in now with reactive messaging and use of reactive operators. And operators are essentially, you operate on the streams. How do you actually manipulate the data that's flowing through the pipe? So MicroProfile has that built-in capability to do that. And it's also nicely integrated with Open Liberty which is our web sphere, our open source web sphere, but it's a lot lighter weight, not like the old, you know, when people think of JEE apps, they are like, oh, it's like a big school bus or something. But yeah, well, it does its job. But yeah, it does a lot of things. But the nice thing about MicroProfile is just a lot lighter weight now. So you don't need to like lug around the whole bus to do everything. Mary's school bus analogy was really amusing and spot on to how many people still think of Java applications. But just like our applications are getting modernized, so are the tools, so are the frameworks. This bus analogy, though, really aligned with what our friend JJ had to say about refactoring. So let's check out that conversation now. Now, there's a lot of people out there who 
probably still have this massive Java app that runs on Tomcat somewhere inside their infrastructure to run a business critical application. And they're just like, JJ, how do I, like, I, I, can't, I can't break this up. This is insane. Well, what I tell you to do is it's, I believe it's called the strangler method, or you just shave off a little bit, bits and pieces of that app. So there's probably a portion of that app that you don't use every single day. Some endpoint that sits there occasionally that does something, but it doesn't do the critical path of your work. What you do is you containerize that small portion. You figure out what the actual spec is for that part of the app. You take it, you turn it into a little microservice. And of course you do your testing and and all that stuff around it, but you start looking at it from that portion. You start just shaving off little bits and pieces of that massive app. So then on the other side, luckily now that because it's microservice, you can have people who are specialized in that specific app you create CI, CD pipelines around it. It has its own deployment schedule. And all of a sudden, portions of that massive monolithic app can have its own history and its own ability to release things at the velocity that you need to make sure your business is successful. So if there's some portion of your architecture that you're like, well, we have this batch job that runs after every Black Friday that reads receipts, right? Well, you're not going to run that every single day. So you can target trying to pull off that batch job, or maybe in parallel, don't actually take it off of the app. In parallel, write up your microservice that does that portion, or maybe that's multiple microservices that does that portion, and focus on building up that part of the application. Then maybe you let it go and run it on the real numbers also after that Black Friday that happened and see what your older architecture and your microservices. Take some actual temperatures of like, wait a second, is this faster? Is this slower? Oh, wait a second. It turns out this was X better or Y, y worse, right? Like we don't know. And that's the best way to do it. Find bits and portions of it. It is a complete and utter paradigm switch. But if you're willing to take the first step down this journey, you'll be amazed on the dividends you get paid out. Yes, it's not going to happen overnight. If anyone tells you it happens overnight, they are lying to you, right? They are lying to you. You need to be able to take this step, learn as you go, and also lean on the communities that exist. There are a lot of people out there who are going down that same problem. And yes, obviously, we don't talk about secret sauce, but we talk about things in the very abstract to make sure that you are successful. Because with you being successful allows me to be successful, which allows my community to be successful, which all of a sudden everyone's life is better because they're not being woken up at three in the morning because their production systems are down. Thank you for joining us for this episode in our application modernization series on refactoring. I hope we've been able to demystify refactoring and you're excited for it. You know, refactoring reminds me actually a bit of editing a podcast or a video in that you have these long unedited takes that actually do the job. And in this analogy, that would be your monolithic heritage code base, but they're not doing what you need them to do in the time you need to do them. So you have to rework the content to fit the form and function. In our next episode, we're going to dig deeper into the organization and development culture that serves an application modernization initiative. Because as we have touched upon, it's not just about the code, it's about changing the way we work. (laughs) 